Hi guys, I'm Jess. And I'm Heidi. And welcome to Betty Squared. Today we are looking at chapter 47, Bizarro Dale, which took me so long to work out how to say. <laughs> yeah, I. that's such a strange title. <laughs> It is. And I think when I was watching it this week, I didn't actually uh, realize that was the name of the title. And so when I went back to um, watch it a second time and, and do all my notes and things, I was like, what is that? Bazardale? And then I was like, oh, no, Bazarodale, <laughs> which um, Baza is very much going back to my Australian roots because uh, you have like Baza, who's Barry. Like, you're just like, oh, yeah, Baz is going to blah, 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 blah. So I was like, that is hilarious. Bazadale. I'm like, that's the place where uh, Barry lives. How funny. I've never and heard that I before. And I obviously realized it was Bizarro Dale and that I was an idiot and that I needed more sleep. <laughs> yeah, this is the Sleepy Podcast. Welcome. It is the Sleepy Podcast. Um, Heidi has been working like a crazy person, as have I. Um, I've been very lucky. Uh, the tour for Hamilton, uh, the musical just came through Florida and I was pulling crazy amounts of hours with them. Um, I used to work for them in New York. And uh, when I heard that the tour was coming, I reached out and said, hey, can I jump on board? And boy, did they make me work. I had a great time, but I am so epically tired. Yeah, you're being very kind to say that uh, I've been working a lot. Uh, that's very kind of you. I'm just tired because I stayed up late. But, <laughs> but you know, you stayed up late because you had stuff to do, right? Like watching TV. Yes. And <laughs> watching this episode of Riverdale was one of those things. Yeah, I, uh, I did watch it again um, this morning just because, like I said, I've been so busy with Hamilton, I haven't even had a chance. I'd actually forgotten I'd even watched this episode when it first aired. So <laughs> I had a lot of catching up to do. So that was, that was how I spent my morning um, on very limited sleep, lots of coffee, buzzing from the show closing, and watching Riverdale. In general, I'm kind of like you this episode, uh, from last episode when you said you weren't really sure how you felt about the episode. Um, mm -hmm. I kind of feel the same way this week. I'm not sure I liked it, but I'm not sure I hated it, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. So I'm curious to see, like, once we get talking and things like that, how I end up feeling at the end. Um, but... There's something I'm dying to talk about, and literally I screamed my head off, but it's the very end of this episode. So should we go chronologically, or do you want to just jump right to the end? If that's what you are feeling passionate about, let's let's go to it. Girl, so passionate. Okay, so for anybody that was listening along last week, I made mention of how I thought Josie and Archie were going to hook up. And then Heidi, you and I discussed how much that would be so bad and like the wrong direction we wanted to see Josie go in because she deserves so much. And, you know, Archie's very confused at the moment and he's going through some things. So girl, did I, or did I not call it? Yeah, no, when that was all happening, I was just, I was basically doing I don't know if you watched The Office. Did you ever watch The Office? Yeah. Uh, you, the US one or the British one? 
Oh, the U.S. one, sorry. Yeah, 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 I watched the U.S. one. So when <laughs> when Michael Scott sees Toby and Toby comes back from being gone for a while and he's just like, no, no, dear God, no. Like, yeah. that was me the whole time. Me too. And I was like, you know, I, I know last week it hinted towards a closeness, you know, when she helped him get sober and looked after him and stuff. I was like, okay, this is nice. I hope they don't take advantage of it. And then this whole episode was just this like foreshadowing of what was to come. And um, when they started singing at the end and the light and, you know, that very warm, very romantic kind of feel, I was like, oh shit, it's coming and I can't stop it. And I normally don't watch the uh, advertisement for the, the next week, but I did happen to see what's coming next week and it does not look like this Archie Josie thing is going to finish anytime soon. Ugh. It's like a car wreck. It it's like is. watching a car accident. I'm I'm not on board for it. And dare I say, with no disrespect to Archie, but I feel like Josie is too good for him. I'm pretty sure every woman he's been with is too good for him. He's a sweet boy. He is. He has his heart in the right place. He wants to do right by his friends and his family, but he's going through that learning curve that a lot of teenagers go through at the moment, uh, you know, where they discover who they are and what they want and bouncing from relationship to relationship and taking advantage of these very strong women um, through his insecurity uh, really upsets me. I don't want to see it. I think the thing, and I think the thing that we are most um, worried about and like hesitant about with with the two of these people is that in all of his past relationships with Archie, like it's just like you said, like Archie's not a bad guy. Yeah. Archie's a good kid, um, deep down, and he did really nice things for Josie. This episode was really supportive of her, right? But I think what we're worried about in general is that every relationship he's been in in the past hasn't ended well. He's not a great communicator. He doesn't really like get what he needs across. With Val, he um that whole like relationship crashed and burned with Betty at the very beginning. He wasn't great at communicating and didn't like deal with that situation well. And then we saw it with um Veronica too, even though they ended kind of amicably he left her. He just left her out of nowhere. So I think what I'm worried about is that this is just not going to end well. And it would be nice if they changed it up because it's kind of getting old. That storyline of Archie is an idiot who doesn't know how to deal with stuff. Right. Um, so it would be nice to see him handle this relationship well. And when it eventually ends, as they all do, um, not all like as in like all relationships in the world, but all in Riverdale or whatever. Yeah, they're um, short-lived relationships. But he handles it well and and uh, that him and Josie do it together and we get to see a, a mature, like, breakup for once with him. I agree. I agree completely. The only issue I am having, and maybe this was initially why I didn't want to see a relationship with the two of them, is that I don't feel as, you know, the two actors, as far as they go, I don't think there's much of, a chemistry there yeah no there's there's not there's not and 
Yeah, I'm, I don't know. I hope this isn't a booty call because I feel like Josie doesn't deserve that. Uh, but you never quite know, you know? And yeah, and I'm bummed that we didn't get to see her with Sweet Pea. I thought it was really, um, we haven't seen a ton of Sweet Pea and he hasn't had anything to bring him out into like the foreground on his own. Right. So his scene with Josie was interesting and I and I liked seeing that side of him because his name is, or his nickname, I assume it's his nickname, is Sweet Pea. So I could infer that maybe he, he's a sweet guy and we haven't seen any of that. And he definitely seemed like it from their scene where he wanted more serious relationship from her and he felt taken advantage of. And I thought that was interesting and it would have been interesting to see that play out a little bit more. So it's kind of a a bummer that they threw that to the side just so Archie can get some booty. Right. And the thing that I'm confused about too is Josie says to Archie, I've called things off with Sweet Pea because I want to focus on my music. So why is Archie the exception to that? If she felt close enough to go to Sweet Pea and say, hey, I'd really like you to be the date, um, for, you know, my mom and Kevin's dad's wedding, or, hey, can you drive me to this audition at Juilliard? Now, I know she didn't get the chance to say that, but, you know, she was confident enough to go to him and say that, but she's breaking it off because she wants to focus on her music. Like, why is Archie the exception to that? Because he's into music? Because he's not focused, clearly. He's a mess at the moment. No, I think it's because, I, I mean, she says it to Archie. She says, like, she broke it off to, or she, because she didn't even break it off. He broke it off. So if she said that she broke it off, she was just kind of lying. But, okay. um. Oh, right. I get but, you. Yep. Mm-hmm. But she also said that she didn't take, like, she wasn't taking, she was putting it on the back burner because she put her music at the forefront and was always worried about her music. But by the time that they get together, she had failed her Juilliard, like her stupid Juilliard audition or whatever. And, and I think she was learning that, uh, she can't, she has to live her life. She can't always just put, put her career forward. And she's also a kid. So she wants to allow herself to have things. Um, and she has that whole kind of breakdown about like, I can't even get a date to my, to my mom's wedding. Um, thing. So I think that's where that comes into play. Yeah, because it's really curious because, you know, you see Sweet Pea this, you know, since the mid-season break, um, you know, pursue her. He's into her. And then she's all like cold and distant. She's like, no, it was just a, it was just a fling. It was just a fling. And now she's, yeah, you could tell that she was into him too, but there was something there that was blocking him. Yeah, she was she was feeling held back about it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I don't know where that's going to go. I just, I don't like it. I don't like it. I, I hope it is short-lived. Um, I would also like to see Archie single for a while and get back to working out, you know, what works for him. Yeah. Cause it also felt strange that 
I mean, in the last couple episodes, ever since he was in Canada, like, in the woods or whatever, we've been seeing, like, a different Archie, like, a slightly different Archie, and then now it seems like, oh, well, the, he worked things out with Hiram, and that's over. So oh. he's back to season one Archie? Like, I, does he still live in, like, is his room still, like, prison-like? Is he still punching the <laughs> Like, I don't I don't really get where we are with Archie no. right now. And they didn't really give us any insight because this episode was really, like, was really about the people in the background uh, who tend to be in the background more, which I don't mind. Um, I think it's important to have them. I think there's something about, like, Riverdale understanding their own pacing or their own sharing of stories. I feel like there's a way that they can integrate these, um, like, Cheryl and Josie and Kevin they can integrate them into the main story more. Like, they can have them... I I just don't get the... Why we had a whole episode with all side characters. Yeah. It, it was, was It was weird, for sure. I I don't know. that, And that's, again, why I can't really uh, work out how I feel about this episode. Because I... I don't know. I don't know why we had these side stories and yeah anyway anyway well and i think too just like too much time without like some solid betty scenes she was not i'm not yeah she was not in it a lot this episode (laughs) um which i again didn't realize until i watched it the second time because the first time i just take it on face value and the second time is when i sit down and i break it down and i write my notes for the podcast so this, um, this, yeah, this episode just kind of sat weird for me, but yeah, of course there is, there's not a lot of Betty in this, in this episode, but what I meant was like, I didn't notice that until the second time round, and I was like, oh, none of my notes are about Betty. I noticed that pretty like immediately. <laughs> I was like, hmm, because I could tell where they were going with it, that they were focusing on Josie Cheryl and. And Kevin, so I was like, okay, well, I guess, I guess this is what yeah, we're getting exactly. this week. <laughs> this is this is this is what it's gonna be. Um, my next note was just a a very quick observation that I thought was was a little on the nose, which you know I've learned that Riverdale likes to do things like that. Was that uh, I love that Hermione passes the total amount of money. Uh, for the drugs and you know the burning of all the equipment and everything to Reggie and Veronica on a piece of paper like could yeah could she not have just been like it's a million dollars you owe her a million dollars yeah it's that thing of they want to keep it ambiguous to the uh to the audience about like ooh, what is a lot of money like what is what's a lot of money for for these people I think it's also part of them trying to, um, trying to keep the mystique of the time, like the time, the era that they're in. Because if she said $100,000, like that's not a ton, like for them, assuming that they're super rich, like that family, and living in the modern era, that's not a ton of money for them in 2019. But in the 1970s right they're trying to yeah 
stay true to the theming that they're going with. I totally get that. But also at the same time, that is her daughter. The fact that, yes, okay, Veronica did something that she asked her not to do. But that's her daughter. What mother would put their child in such a dangerous position that, you know, this buyer for the drugs and then and the jail and everything like that is going to come to Riverdale to collect on this debt and Hermione is putting her daughter at risk by being like, well, I wash my hands of this. You did this. You're going to have to suffer the consequences. I think that's really brutal. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I had a note. I was like, making your daughter um, pay off your drug debt, even if she caused it by burning the drugs, isn't very Not maternal. Not at all. And <laughs> that kind of surprised me, surprises me with Hermione. I know we've seen very different, you know, shades of her re- more recently. But the one thing that she's always remained consistent about is how much she loves Veronica. That is a really fucked up thing to do to put your daughter on the front line like that. Yeah, especially when it could be dire. It could be really serious. Um, so especially then to to combat that scene, like to put that um, parallel to the scene later where all of the parrots are in the school doing the ascension night thing or whatever and they realize that the reason they're there is to get them away from their kids. Um and they all kind of freak out and was like, that's funny, Hermione. You don't really care yeah, too much. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's just, oh, God, I wish there was, I wish there was some more maternal instinct there. It just, oh, I don't know, that just really, really didn't sit well with me. But in essence, uh, the the whole um the whole episode or this whole episode shows that there is not a lot of maternal feelings towards, you know, um, the parents of Riverdale and their kids, you know, look at, look at what happens with um, Moose's dad. You know, I don't know if you want to segue into, into that and talk about that, or if there were um, other notes that you wanted to, to go over first, but this whole episode sort of had this theme of, parents not really having their kids best interests at heart yeah no i mean that's fine let's we already jumped you know let's get backwards this episode (laughs) let's let's talk about uh archie and josie and then let's talk about the outing of the gargoyle king let's just work backwards this episode why the hell not (laughs) yeah why not well and once i brought up the the ascension night thing and all that, um, <laughs> it made me realize, like, that whole situation, getting all of the parents in one place to do that, it was so excessive for what that guy wanted to accomplish. Like, he didn't need to get all those people together. Like, that was the way to get caught. Totally. Totally. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, um, I have a lot of feelings about the, uh, the gargoyle king being um being outed so to speak well he wasn't the real gargoyle king and he said yeah, that. that's what i had to really listen for 
uh, the second time I watched it because I was like, okay, hang on a minute. He was the one that was at the school that poisoned the chalices. No, wait, he's the gargoyle king now. No, wait, I'm confused. So they did 100% say, or he said, right, that he was not the OG. Yeah, yeah. He said that he knew about it since he was a kid because he was in the Sisters of Quiet Mercy and he knew that Tom and them had played. So that he knew exactly who played is, like, ridiculous. Like, yeah. exactly who to reach out to. I don't know. Um, but he knew that Tom had played and that and that was it. And that he was doing it now to, uh, to get to yeah, it or whatever. It was weird because the first time I watched it, I was like, no. I was like, absolutely not. That guy is not the Gargoyle King. Don't you dare try and, like, make it that it was him. I was like, that is a bullshit fucking pretty little liars excuse if you watch the finale of pretty little yeah. liars that was bullshit oh, yeah. i'm not gonna no, get no, into no. it in case anybody is watching it it was a great tv show i fucking loved it i read all the books but i was so disappointed with how it finished and how bad like the acting was and everything so this i'm really glad it wasn't that the, the same case here with this episode because I was like we've never seen Major Mason maybe like one other episode in this episode and now he's the original Gargoyle King I'm like no that doesn't that doesn't work with me so I'm glad that we're still yet to find that out no I think what we're seeing now and I think FP kind of talked about it with Jughead when they got to their trailer um I think what we're seeing now with the Gargoyle King um, imposters is that people are using it as a means to an end. Like the different people in the town are now pulling up this mantle um, to get the things they want and things like that. And I think that this storyline is foreshadowing that we're going to be seeing more people abuse. I mean, not really abuse because it's not really a, a good thing that you can abuse, but are going to take up the mantle of the Gargoyle King more and more to do shitty stuff around the town. Um, so I think that's kind of what we're going to see. Totally. I am very curious to see uh, who it is. I mean, I'm so confused at this point of which one, like, of who we've caught and who we haven't caught. Right, exactly. And, you know, now that, like, Gladys Jones is back and stuff like that. It's It just throws another spanner in the works or another wrench in the works, as you guys call them. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Gladys being there totally threw me, me off. Too. Like, I was so thrown when she got me out of too. that car. I do have a theory. Okay, go ahead. Uh, my theory. Remember, maybe it was last week or the week before, I talked about how they might try and redeem Hiram. Yeah. I think Gladys is going to be the new big bad and Hiram is is going to be redeemed as a character. I think he'll still be shady as fuck, but I think it's going to be like the enemy. Yeah, he'll kind of take a backseat to all the other drama. Yeah, the devil I know versus the devil I don't kind of thing. Exactly. Exactly, but I was so taken aback when Gladys got out of that car. Yeah, I was really confused because I, I've been paying 
a lot of attention to when people are describing the people who, like, the person who bought the Sisters of Quiet Mercy, that that, that ended up being the, um, the farm or whatever. So then when right. Hermione was talking about who bought the, who bought the prison, right? It's the person who bought the prison. Yes, I, the prison and the drugs. The prison and the drugs, yeah. Um, she said that they were dangerously unhinged, was the wording that she used to describe that person when yeah. she was talking to them with uh, her uh, with Veronica. Um, so it was like, ooh, okay, this is, those are some big, you know, that's a pretty big statement to say about a person. Um, and of course, for me, I'm just connecting everything to the farm because I want everything to be about the farm and I just want to get to the farm. Yeah, um, me too. So I was like, ooh, like, is this how she's describing, um, what's his name? Edward? Ed something? The, the leader of the farm? Oh, um, 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 um. Edgar. Not Edward. Edgar, yeah. Edgar. Um, I was like, ooh, is that how we're describing? But if that's how she's describing Gladys, I mean, I'm sure that all of these parents grew up together, I guess, and like all have backstory together. Um, so maybe she does know Gladys in a, in a certain way or is biased against her because of something that happened when they were kids or whatever, but that she would describe Gladys as dangerously unhinged is really interesting. Yeah, I agree. And I also think it's like, I don't know, it's, Gladys doesn't seem like she's that unhinged like she's tough sure but like I wouldn't be scared of her she's up to something for sure oh yeah they're up to something and what confuses me is that back in season one um we are led to believe as far as I remember that Gladys and Jellybean leave because of FP's drinking and because yeah. of the gang and things like that. Yeah. So that, so that Gladys comes back and is more, I mean, more bad than, than FP ever was, other than the one time the FP hit a, hit a murder, but <laughs> that really wasn't that bad. Um, and okay, he shot a guy once, but like, the guy deserved it, so whatever. FP in general is really not that bad of a dude, so that they left because of that and then are are worse and are planning worse stuff is very strange it is very strange it is incredibly strange and I don't know where we're going with this like I feel like this season you know the CW do think out their seasons and do pre-plan and everything like that but I feel like everybody just smoked a whole bunch of crack this season and we're like, let's do this. No, wait, let's throw this in. No, wait, let's throw this in. Like, I have no fucking idea where we're going with this season, what the outcome is going to be. Like you keep saying, we still haven't seen the farm. Although I, I do think we're getting some farm next episode. But I just don't know what the hell's going on. I'm so thrown. And it's not thrown as in like, you know, there's so many, so much mystery surrounding the Gargoyle King and who that person is. And it's, it's, I'm confused because shit's just coming from everywhere and all these little sub stories. And 
it doesn't feel like this season has much direction. Yeah, I totally agree. And it feels um, feels like continuity is taken, because I think this Gladys problem is a problem with c- continuity as well. Um, yeah. Or a disregard for continuity. Um, yeah, and they feel, it feels like they've spread thin. Like, we've, we've tackled multiple storylines at once. Like, in season two, we didn't just focus on the Black... Like, there was a big focus on the Black Hood, but they did kind of veer off and go into different storylines when after the mid-season finale when they found the Black Hood or whatever. Right. So it's not impossible to to go into different storylines. But all I can think of is season one where they needed just to figure out who murdered Jason. And like, yeah, right. there were side storylines with Archie was having an affair with his teacher or whatever and romances and things like that and Polly not knowing where she was or whatever. But the main focus was always there that the big mystery was who murdered Jason Blossom. Um, and we don't really have that this season. There's no, like, because w- you could say that one of the big questions is what what the hell is going on on this farm? But it really only seems like Betty cares. Um, so that's not really it, or that's my big concern, but, you know. Um, and then there's who's the Gargoyle King, and then there's what's the what are the lodges doing? What's their plan? What are they doing now that their plan seems to have gone out the window? Um, what now? It's what is Gladys doing here? What does she yeah. have to do with any of this? Does she have to do with the farm as well, or are they totally not connected? And is it all just coincidental? It's so confusing. I I do have one theory about Gladys, mm-hmm. and this could be completely fucking off because you know me I'm not great at guessing like the whodunits and things like that so I came to this conclusion because I was watching FP's reaction when Gladys and Jellybean turn up at you know at the trailer park he's happy to see Jellybean he's not happy to see Gladys and it's very hard for them to like keep eye contact and stuff or more so him than her but there's no chemistry there at all. I don't believe these two people were once in love and had two kids. That's kind of a side thing. That's just me and just not feeling it between the two of them, which either works for the show or it works against it. I don't know. But how did Gladys and FP meet? Was Gladys at Riverdale High? Was she? Did she know about all this griffins and gargoyles and things like that because if so what if she is the original gargoyle king and she's come back to bring this whole story full circle i mean it's possible i uh, they really haven't said how she met fp we don't really know maybe she was a serpent i'm not sure but that's what i mean it it leaves a hole in the story that if they decide to make her the gargoyle king it would work it would fit yeah it would work it wouldn't be the most satisfying no but it would work yeah i don't know i just need some answers this episode just confused me even more but anyway yeah we started getting somewhere and then this and not in a way that's like exciting or like i can't wait to see it's just like why are you throwing this out like this episode felt like a filler episode to me yeah me too it's kind of like hey we haven't seen some of these other characters for a while let's bring them in a little bit and um 
add some, you know, some subtext to their backstories and things. Yeah, which is a bummer because I, like I said, and I've said before, I like all of the characters that this um, episode was focusing on. And I would like there to be more focus on them. But putting them in an episode like this all on their own with a storyline that kind of has to do with the main plot of the show. Not really. We don't really know what the main plot of the show is right now anyway. So like, what's going on? Mm. Um, and makes it feel, in- it makes it all feel inconsequential. And giving me a filler episode with side characters who I do want to see backstory on doesn't fulfill that itch. Right. So you're left kind of like, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, and- it's a bummer. I don't know if you have realized, but uh, Riverdale's on another mini hiatus. No, I didn't notice that. Yeah, it's actually not back until the uh, the 27th of February. So we're left on this kind of like weird, like what the fuck just happened? But then also um, we won't find out for another couple of weeks. Bummer. Yeah, it's really frustrating. I mean, I know it's not their fault, but I feel like Riverdale, out of all the shows on the CW, get a lot of hiatuses. They do. I feel that too, and I don't know. They keep breaking it up. It's weird. It's very strange. It is really weird. But anyway. Um, one of my notes for just like finishing up thoughts on like Gladys and stuff like that yeah. was when we saw um, when we saw I don't know where the note is now, but I remember basically what it was um, when FP and Jughead are in the uh, trailer, and then we see Jellybean and and her mom come out, and Jellybean runs to FP and is like, "I'm sorry," but da 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 da, like, and just kind of like is all happy bubbly or whatever. I was like, I knew from that second, I was like, they're up to something. I was was on board. I was, I just take things, like I said, on face value. I'm very gullible. I believe everything. (laughs) Well, there was just no reason for Jellybean to change her mind about FP. Like he didn't do anything for her to, to change her perspective on him. Um, If he had done something like if she had seen him in his sheriff's outfit or or if there was something to give her reason to change her mind, then maybe I'd be like, oh, yeah, oh, that's sweet. I did think Gladys hugging, like they all looked sweet together. And I was like, it's nice to see them all together in this like fa- familial kind of way. Um, it's nice to see who the Joneses once were. Um, but yeah, I didn't believe her for a second. She's no. Yeah. Yeah, it's real tricky. Yeah. Um, I did have a funny note. I did I did enjoy um Cheryl's storyline a lot. I thought there was hers was probably the most interesting to me. I'll bet frustrating because she is Cheryl and she'll do frustrating right. stuff. And her outing moose didn't really feel in character, although she didn't fully out him, but still like that that I know she's a baby gay, like she's a new, she's a new gay, but I don't think she would, uh, she would, uh, do that. Yeah, I was a little surprised by that too. I didn't think that that was really within her character. Um, I also don't think she really did out him. You know, I think that that was just kind of like, she just said it. It didn't specify him. It didn't specify Kevin. 
Like it literally could have been anybody's. And I think they knew it was Kevin. Like that, that was pretty plain that it was Kevin, but, but everybody knows Kevin's gay. Like there's no big deal. Yeah. Um, but you know, again, she didn't have to say anything. Uh, but I thought people's reaction to it was a little extreme, but again, I'm not gay. I've never been in that situation where somebody's, you know, forced me to come to terms with something or talk to my parents about something that I wasn't ready to. Um, but also at the same time, I would just keep my mouth shut. I wouldn't say anything about anybody's sexuality, not in a public forum like that. Yeah. And we know that's not sh- like Cheryl, you know, she's an open book, so she's not. Exactly. She's dead. She probably just um, thinks she was helping and, you know, didn't think twice about it. Yeah. And she totally did. And she, when she was called out, she, she took it and she, even the funny, um, is this her first fight? <laughs> like, oh, sweet. Um, I loved her interactions with Tony. She was very fun this episode with her. And I like that they did have like a moment of, um, because it wasn't even like a fight where she, where Tony kind of put her in her place and made her see that her actions have consequences. And I think that's important. That's um, what I like about Tony. And I, I love that. Sorry, oh, I said that's what I like about Tony. She's, she's real and she helps ground Cheryl. Totally. Because Cheryl's so, you know, we've talked about her heightened language and she's so kind of otherworldly to this group. Like she comes from a different universe and Tony pulls her back in and that's cool. Um, I noticed this funny thing, um, and it's very minute. I wonder if it was even purposeful. I think it probably was because of the way that the scene was shot. But when Cheryl was um, was talking to her mom about how the college she wanted to go to wasn't letting in legacies anymore, and she knew that it was because her mom had done something yeah. or whatever, um, which was kind of stupid. That was a stupid storyline, but regardless. Um, Cheryl had a bumblebee pin on her, like – collar right right in the center and the bumblebee was pointing up like it's flying upwards and her mother had a butterfly i believe it was and her butterfly pin was on her collar and it was pointing down like it was flying down oh that's really observant hon thank you i do my best (laughs) you're like thank you hair flip (laughs) yeah pasta that is incredibly observant i I wish I picked stuff like that, but that I did notice Cheryl's brooch. I didn't realize it was a bumblebee. I think I thought it was a spider Um, or unless she wore her spider at some point later on. I can't remember. She wears the spider brooch a lot. So there could have been one. The, the, at the point that I was watching, it was about, it was like a bumblebee or something similar to a bumblebee. It wasn't, it wasn't the spider one. Cause I noticed that it was, winged winged yeah but that i love i love that concept that you know one's going down and one's going up you know that really is people in different directions yeah i i am gonna hope that that was deliberate and not just a costuming thing where you know they just stuck a badge on and um that's the way it was i think so because of the way that the scene was shot they went in it was like going back and forth between cheryl and her mom and the the uh cropping of the frame the frame was um I'm like what's the right word the framing of the of the shots um right. were close were like busting up it wasn't like a full shot of both of them it was switching between the two of them um yeah 
in that moment. So I think it was, I think it was intentional, but it was interesting. I also loved Cheryl's line. She said something along the lines of that people think being gay is any less than rapturous. And I was like, Ooh, that's so fun. That's such, that's like the best way to talk about like your sexuality and to talk about being gay. I, Cheryl had some great one-liners this episode. I wrote one down too, my favorite. And I laughed so hard. Uh, And that might just be because I'm deliriously tired. Um, She picks up the phone when Penelope calls her and she goes, what do you want, night hag? (laughs) I was like, yes, Cheryl, that's fucking amazing. I'm like, just it speaks volumes uh, about (laughs) Cheryl's relationship with her mom, but it was delivered so matter of fact. I just loved it. I was like, that was just fucking perfect. Yeah, it's such a, what do you want, night hag? I loved it so much. Uh, that was a great, great line. That was really good. Yeah, agreed. Oh, God, agreed. Um, <laughs> I have a bit of a funny note, and perhaps, yeah. I don't know, maybe you can explain it to me. Um, so uh, Tom and Sierra are fooling around you know, before they get the letter about, you know, reuniting the Midnight Club, etc. And mm-hmm. it's weird because they both, they, you know, it cuts to that scene and then they both fall into frame. But Tom falls down flat, like face first into the bed. And then Sierra is on top of him, also <laughs> face first. Uh-huh. Now, I am not... <laughs> super knowledgeable about the ways of the world when it comes to you know sexual relations and whatnot but I'm pretty sure that doesn't work and I'm also like what were they doing that they would fall that way on the bed together (laughs) I don't know i mean there is one thing for sure <laughs> that they could be doing where she would be where they would be in those positions together right but um they would need a little help yeah something else. <laughs> um but i do, but we know that that's not what they were doing because we saw sierra stand up and we saw her her full form so she wasn't wearing accessories um she also had you know clothes yeah, yeah, yeah. They were both clothed. I think it was just, um, for one, to start off, I hated that Me scene. Me too. Um, <laughs> I was like, as beautiful as the two of these people are, I don't want to see yeah, this. Yeah, it's like seeing your parents <laughs> being intimate. You're like, ah, yeah. don't need it. Yeah. Or the teacher that you always thought was like really hot in school, and then you actually see them like, like the idea of really seeing them in a position like that is like, oh, um, but yeah, I think it was just foreplay. I think she was playing cop or whatever. Cause you know, he was a sheriff before and I will always call him sheriff. Me, Miller, too. Even he's not the- me too, girl. Me too. Yeah. But, um, I think it was just foreplay. I think she was like being funny and like came up behind him or something and da da da. But to go from foreplay to like eating before you like have sex is seems like the wrong way to yep, do it. I just none of that scene made sense. Um, uh-huh. I don't get why he was face down first and she was on top of his back. Like it just bits don't work like that. 
they had their clothes on. It was, I'm very, very confused. <laughs> yeah. It, I kept laughing. It was very I kept laughing. I'm like, this doesn't work. I don't get it. Yeah, it was very strange. Oh, God. But this really was just the episode of everyone having sex. Everyone. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I have a note somewhere. How dare? Where is it? Oh, I was when because we got that beautiful montage of just teen sex. Um, and my note is just in all caps. Teenagers only do one thing. <laughs> right. And I loved the fact that Reggie and Veronica are obviously about to be intimate. I don't know if it's their first time. I wasn't ready to see them in that situation no. that was I thought a very big jump very quick and yeah anyway but I love the fact that they've both got their cell phones right there next to Reggie lying on his back they're right fucking there like I'm sorry but even if it was spontaneous sex why are you two both of you both of you have your cell phones in the bed with you like why yeah all the teenagers had their phones so close to them and were so willing to answer their parents calls mid coitus it just yeah it was mm, yeah uh lily actually um tweeted something really funny this week that said like just once can jughead and betty have you know some tender loving moments without somebody dying or parents interrupting. I loved yeah. it. I laughed a lot. I thought that was really cute. But again, yeah, so much sex this episode. Um, didn't need to see 90% of it. Yeah. Also, I'm concerned about the message it's sending to the kids that watch this show. Um. And I'll elaborate on that. You know, uh, it, it's no big deal seeing, you know, sex on TV and things like that. But one, I thought there was too much of it in this episode for its, you know, target audience. But also on that, have you noticed, it's happened twice now, and I don't know whether I've ever commented on it before. I think Riverdale or the CW has some kind of um, paid... Uh, advertisement with Bumble. Do you know what I'm referring to? Yeah, I know Bumble. Right. So in another episode, Reggie was swiping through the app on the phone and you you actually see the app. And then in this episode, uh, Kevin's talking about like, oh, I really like moose and I don't want to go back to the forest for these random hookups. And um, Cheryl says, oh, I'm not talking about random hookups. I'm talking about Bumble. It's twice the set now. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like, with Riverdale, they, like, they call it Griffins and Gargles. They don't call it Dungeons and Dragons, even though we all know that that's what it is. You know, it's this, they're very careful to change words for things, but Bumble being a brand and being an app that's, you know, available here in the real world, it being spoken more than once, I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure... We should be encouraging kids to go on these online apps to hook up. Yeah, I mean it's a uh, it's it's 
problematic. And yeah, they definitely have a paid sponsor sponsorship with Bumble. Um, I don't know about... I don't know about kids that are the age that these teens are supposed to be. Like, I don't really know too much about, like, the... I know a couple kids who are that age. And knowing myself when I was a teenager, even if there were... Like, even when dating apps first came out and I was, like, in early in college and stuff like that, it wasn't really something I was into. No. And maybe I'm wrong and maybe it's something that kids would be into now. But I, I also think that in high school... Riverdale is a small town, and for Kevin, there's not a lot of gay guys who are out yeah. or whatever. So maybe he needs some extra help finding people who are interested in him. But I would think for most people in high school, you kind of have options yeah. enough, unless you're in small towns and things like that. So you probably don't need to use a dating app. But I don't know. I mean, is, is it even legal? Is there like a minimum age on these dating apps? I have no idea. Me either. See, this is the thing. Like, again, and maybe this is just me showing my age and being ignorant to, you know, the the younger generations that have come after me. But I've I've never been on a dating app. I, I've never used one. Um, I've either been single and okay with that, or I've been in a relationship. And, you know, when um, all these dating apps started to come out, I was already with my husband. You know, granted, he was my boyfriend at the time, but I was in a long term committed relationship. So I've never had to use them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, super strange. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Super um, if you are a 16 year old child and you listen <laughs> to this show, please email us <laughs> and tell us if you use a dating app. I am thoroughly curious. Yeah. Yeah, it's very <laughs> strange. Um, something that happened twice this episode and it was really weird and I don't think it was very well done was the, the like voice correction, the voiceover um, when like a line comes out weird or like there's sound issues and they have to re... Uh, the actor has to come back in and, and correct it. Um, and then they what kind are you of referring like, to? Hmm? What are you referring to? There was a moment. I'm getting there. I was just kind of explaining what it was. Um, so when Tony is uh, talking to Cheryl and she kind of is like, you outed, um, you outed Moose or whatever. There's a line that she says. She says something, 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 hoity-toity. And then continues with the line. And okay. it did not match what her lips were doing. Like, and I... I have a pretty good ear because I love language and I love like voiceover and stuff like that. So I have a pretty good ear in shows when, um, like when you see when a character's talking and then it switches to their back and you can the voicing is just just different enough. The quality is just different enough where they're not in the same place where they were before when they were saying those things. Do you know what I mean? Um, like you can tell that that came from a booth. Um, instead of in that room where they had previously said it. Um, I have a pretty decent ear for that stuff. Um, so that line from Tone, just that like word did not match what her lips were doing. I was like, what the heck? Why would you keep it on her? Why would you not switch to Cheryl just in that moment, right before she's, her lips don't match? It looked so weird. And then later on, um, when Reggie is talking to, uh, 
to Veronica about, I didn't write down what he said, but I think it's before they went to go rob the bank, which was so ridiculous. Um, oh, yeah, the worst. And they did switch to his back. Oh, he said something like, um, he got the idea for robbing, or for robbing his father. And then he said something like, I'm so smart, or something like that. Um, and it switched to his back, and I was like, oh, he, that was not what he said in that room at that moment, in that scene. Like, that was a voice correction. He voiced over it. Um, I did not pick it at all. You are really observant. I just really love that kind of stuff. I remember watching America's Next Top Model and, like, figuring out what Tyra said in the room at the moment, what they VO'd over later on. Because it always, her voice when she records is always a little different than like when she's in the room. Um, right. She like puts on, this is my recording voice. Um, so, but I thought that was really funny. And I was like, ooh, those were, I've never, I've not before that I remember seeing them as bad as specifically the hoity-toity moment. Like, ooh, that was not good. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. I, I'm going to have to just be more observant in the future or moving forward because I've never, ever picked that. But having worked in the film industry myself, I know exactly what, what it's like when you have to go into the, you know, the recording booth and, and redub your lines. But yeah, I've never, I've never noticed it on, on Riverdale. I'm going to have to just keep out an eye um, for it a little, a little sharper. Yeah, that was the first time I ever I ever noticed it. So they've been doing pretty good so far, I think. Hmm. Well, I've only got a couple of notes left. Um, I'll go through them kind of quick because they're, again, they're just more observations rather than talking points. But it's interesting that you would bring up, bring up uh, that the audio was weird because I had a good old laugh when Cheryl uh, yanks that whip at the Maple Club. The folly on that was redonkulous. It was way too loud. And seeing how like little she yanked that whip, it would never have made a noise like that. Yeah. That is it. That's all I'll say on that. Um, and another one was uh, Kevin when he's eating the candy, when he was brooding over like moose and he's having a chat to Cheryl. The placement yeah. of that candy on the table was very random. It was really yeah. like, it was very laid out and no one eats candy like that. Yeah. It wasn't like I was just digging through this pile of candy or whatever. It was, yeah, I noticed that too. I was like, this is yeah, weird. It was, it was weird. And it was like on the table, like who puts their candy on a table, especially at school? Like there's going to be germs and anyway, disgusting. Yeah. Um, but my very last note for this episode was uh, about, um, uh, Tony's new girl group or, mm-hmm. you know, gang or whatever you want to call it. Uh, I love that they're all like 1920s. I love that we have never, ever seen these women. No, sorry, not 1920s, 1940s, beg your pardon. I love that we've never seen these women ever at Riverdale yeah. or in the show or in any kind of context. And I love that they are just so willing to follow her when they don't even probably know her or I don't know. Yeah. It's not even like they're vixens or anything. Exactly. They weren't even vixens. These girls are like, they're meant to be, you know, rough. Um, But I hate, I hate, hate, hate the name 
the pretty poisons. Yeah, stupid, really bad. Oh, so bad. And I don't know enough about the Archie comics to know if that's where they've pulled the name from. I don't know if that's come direct from the comics or somebody's like, let's just call them the pretty poisons. But it's dumb and I hate it. And yeah. that's all. <laughs> pretty dumb. Um, I only had two notes and they're short and just funny um, things that I noticed. There were two moments of like just a, just some literal wordplay, not even wordplay. It's just like literal moments. Because when um, they give the uh, ink dyed money to um, Gladys, yeah, uh, she says something about like how, how they'll have to pay to to get it laundered. I was like, oh, literal money laundering. Um, thought that was funny, yeah, because um, that's not what that term means. No, but, it's not then, at all. <laughs> um, and then later, uh, when they catch Moose's dad, and FP is interrogating him. He says, uh, trying to scare him straight. And I was like, yes, literally, yes, trying to scare him straight. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of that, like, um, what is it, alliteration or whatever, or double entendre? Not even. It's just, like, li- like literally that thing. Like, mm-hmm. that. those things would be a metaphor, scared straight, um, money laundering like those are words euphemisms for other things but like literally those things and that was the word I was trying to that was the word I was trying to find but yeah no it is it's literally saying exactly what you mean oh goodness I just thought that was funny I did too I did think that was funny what rating do you give this episode um I think I would give it like a c yeah, I think I would give it a C as well. Again, I don't, I didn't hate it. I just kind of didn't need it. Yeah, and I'm not going to rewatch this episode. No, I mean, the second time I found myself, you know, getting very distracted, I started playing games on my phone instead of taking notes because I was like, I don't want to watch it again. Yeah. It's it's yeah. one that if I sat down and I did a complete binge watch and rewatch all the episodes, I would have skipped over it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, all we can hope is that it leads to something bigger and better, but it seemed like a very sort of off-brand episode. Yeah, it was weird. It was weird. Yeah. And I was going to say, what would Betty do this episode? But she didn't get the opportunity to really do anything. Nope. She would She would be in the background for a minute. She would be in the background. She'd be taking a minute, trying to be intimate with her boyfriend, but unfortunately uh, not having that opportunity. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, wow. We should all just be wallflowers this week then so we can live by Betty's example. Yes. I don't mind that. (laughs) Sounds good. You know what? After the crazy week and the thousands and thousands of people I spoke to with all the performances um, that Hamilton uh, brought, I'm happy to just kind of be a bit of a wallflower or two at the moment. Look at that. It all worked out. Yay. Take some me time and, uh, Get a little bit more sleep, I think. That's a good idea. (laughs) All right. Well, on that note, everybody, have a great couple of weeks. 
because we uh, yeah. we won't have an episode next week because Riverdale's on hiatus. Oh, I know, but hopefully it comes back with a bang. Yeah. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye.